I already put my other one upside down now. The other one doesn't need to get turned upside down. This is this is the one that needs to get upside down. Oh man. Wow, good job. <laughs> good job, huh? You're starting it off very well. See, this, this, I don't know. This looks like Dennis from Always Sunny, so I always think this is the gang gets quarantined. What in the hell are you looking at, honestly? That looks like prison, Mike. That is prison, Mike. Blurred out. <laughs> yeah. Was that, was that for copyright, by the way? Was that, was that why it's blurred? Yeah, if you pixelate things. Yeah, we figured out during the quarantine that if you pixelate people's faces, you can get away with putting them on your labels. So I guess quarantine yeah. did some good for something, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the number one way to get a C and D is uh, <laughs> imagery. That's the quickest way because you can't say any sort of gray area. Uh, yeah, that's just right there. It is the picture. There's no denying it. Yeah, and we're not technically able to do anything satirical. Hmm. If you're if you're doing like a TV show or like a magazine or anything like that, and it's being sold that way. Apparently that's satirical, but like food and beverage. Yeah, it makes no sense. So I, I guess the uh, like the text on the gang gets quarantined isn't enough to fall under that that umbrella. I think that's just a generic text because that's when that funny. show first started, um, they were about to be canceled after episode three or four, and then Danny DeVito joined and mm-hmm. then went. So I think everything has been like it started out low budget, and then everyone just thought it was so funny looking low budget that they kept it kind of yeah. that way. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, what's up, everybody? We're back for another episode of this thing that we've, I guess, officially settled on the title of the Beer League, right? Yeah. That's what oh, we're yeah. going with. So this is going to be its own thing. Um, you know, those of you who followed along with uh, the mixed episodes with the Pigeon Coop, you know, we started off just talking about hockey and drinking a lot of beer. Now we drink a lot of beer and talk a lot of beer. And, you know, this became its own project. So hopefully this is the first official one as long as I get the logos in in time. Um, tonight we've got some special guests. The first time we've ever done something like this, so it's exciting for us. Uh, we've got two friends over from Evil Genius. Uh, we've got Patrick and Dan. You guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit and tell us what you do? Sure, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Pat. Um, I've been with Evil Genius now just over three years. Uh, I'm a regional sales director for them. I mainly take on uh, Southeastern PA, uh, so like the Philly Five Counties. Uh, all the way up through uh, Easton, um, and Lancaster is pretty much as far west as I go. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good ride. So I've been doing that for quite some time now. Yeah, and uh, I'm Dan. Uh, so I'm a senior uh, regional account manager with Evil Genius. I've been there a little over a year and a half, and I cover the entire state of New Jersey and the entire state of Delaware. Um, which is a lot of driving, but when you have podcasts, things tend to go by pretty quickly. Yeah, real time waster is what we like to call this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you're driving and seeing nothing but trees <laughs> and fields, that I mean, time wasters are, are exactly what you need. Yeah, New Jersey and Delaware, not your most scenic routes. <laughs> uh, no, no, unless uh, unless you like terrible smells. Um, or like yeah we'll just go with terrible smells anything else might get me in trouble so do any of the farms stand out to you now or are they just all farms they're just all farms some have cows some don't they all smell like shit 
So. You smell one, you smell them all. You know exactly. Yeah. Now, as exactly. long as we keep bashing New Jersey, this podcast is going to make me very happy. <laughs> I live in Jersey and will bash Jersey for you, Bob. So not a problem at all. <laughs> it also could run about four or five hours. So, <laughs> yeah, are we on a time crunch right now? No, you know, we, I, no, no. I've got all the time in the world. So I know that. Uh, at least me and the rest of my guys should be somewhat familiar since I've explained it probably four or five times to them, but they never listened to me. Um, Correct. Somebody want to give us a little backstory about uh, <laughs> how evil genius kind of got its start. I mean, I, I know, like I said, and it's on the side of one of these extra crawlers I have hidden for a surprise, but you know, the listeners yeah. might not know. Yeah. So um, it's a pretty cool story actually. So um, starts with Luke Bowen and Trevor Hayward. They're the two owners of Evil Genius Beer Company, and uh, Dan and myself. They're our direct boss, so we still maintain like kind of a small family type feel um, within the work environment. But uh, Luke had gotten out of college um, and got a job working a nine to five behind a desk in a cubicle, and just hated it. And so he kind of said, "Fuck this! Let's get out of here." and uh, quit his job. Uh, went back to school to get his MBA, and um, while he was at Villanova, he met Trevor Hayward, uh, who actually came over from Ireland, from uh, like right outside Dublin area, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, he started with his brother, who lived um, in the Villanova area, um, did a similar thing. So him and, him and Dave lived together, um, and he went to Villanova where he met Luke in one of their business classes. Uh, they pretty quickly became friends, started going out for beers with one another. And uh, lo and behold, you know, one of their uh, courses, they were like, hey, you know, what, what business could you come up with? And they're like, this, this is what we'd want to do. And um, yeah, just started drinking, got drunk one night and said, let's, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, the rest is kind of history. From there, it went... Um, started slowly manifesting they got investors uh, a lot of which are from Villanova and uh, <clears throat> then we started contract brewing um, and that made its way um, from all the way up in Indiana then down to New York um, then to Connecticut uh, if I'm right no they did all three of those but then um, it came to where we're at now in Susquehanna Brewing Company doing our large our large-scale brews um, so like Stacy's mom and stuff like that, our head brewer goes up there. Um, and that's what supplies all seven states is out of Susquehanna. We're mm -hmm. like their largest contracted um, brewery out of there. And then uh, we do all of our specialty stuff from the lab in Philadelphia. And if it's a hit and worthwhile, then we say, hell yeah. And we go ahead and make it into a uh, beer you can purchase at, you know, any beer distributor, grocery store, that sort of thing, bars. So yeah, uh, critical question. Uh, what is a contract brew? Uh, so um, a contract brew is where uh, when a brewery does not, or when a brewery decides not to invest money into a brick and mortar facility, uh, or like what a brewery, um, they can ask an already established brewery uh, if they would mind brewing the beer for them. There's usually a fee associated with it. Um, and then the only other thing you're usually responsible for is your materials. So uh, any of the brewing materials, malt, hops, things like that, any of the packaging. Uh, so bottles, cans, packs like that. Um, and then you just pay a small fee so that they can pay their brewers in order to brew your beer. 
Um, okay. So a contract is just that. Yeah, you, the way I usually, like if I'm out in an event and, and someone wants to know, uh, a lot of times they want like the, the quick answer rather than an in-depth answer I've, I've learned. So for anyone who wants the quick answer, I always say it's like leasing out a brewery. Okay. We're essentially leasing out their equipment. We use it. They monitor it uh, once it's in there and it's fermenting. And they text our head brewer uh, or email and update our head brewer, uh, John, and let him know where things are at. And he either goes up there and tweaks it or has them just tweak temperatures and that sort of thing. You ever get someone who's just like midway through their process, they're like, you know what, I'm sick of actually making this. Uh, I'll leave it for them to deal with. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we've ever gotten that. I mean, the, the main brewer up there at Susquehanna, his name is uh, Bo. He's solid. Those guys are great up there. Uh, they really kick ass. Um, I mean, at the lab, we've done beers. And like, I know midway through, John is like, oh, shit, this is going to be terrible. And then it ends up turning out great. So it really has a mind of its own. And it comes down to like fermentation. Sometimes what you think is going to be awful turns out great. And what you think is going to be amazing turns out okay. It's I got to give you some credit. That might have been the first educated question ever on any of our (laughs) podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I figured I didn't know what it was. So anybody listening to this probably didn't know what it was either. Um, it's cool to know that things like uh, like off labeling or white labeling is done in the beer industry too. Um, like I I used to work at a vape store, and one of the things we did was we would like completely create a product, but then put somebody else's label on it and sell it to them so they could sell it as their own. Um, it sounds like that's kind of a little bit of a similar thing to the contract brew. Not necessarily because we come up with the recipes. Um, so uh, John, our head brewer, and then Matt, uh, AKA Matrick, uh, who is our assistant brewer. Um, they sit down and come up with recipes based on whatever style beer they're looking to brew. So we still come up with everything. We just use Susquehanna. So it would be like, let's say that comp- company X you were just talking about. If they came to you and said, we have this awesome idea for a flavor you mm-hmm. have the juices and the facility to be able to make it for us. Can you do that and put our label on it? It'd be more like that. Other than uh, creating okay. something and then selling it under a different name. Like we still come up with all of that um, process and we come up with, um, you know, everything from start to finish as far as what style beer, what ingredients, things like that. Okay. I, I misunderstood. I thought people were like, contracting you but you're contracting bigger scale people to brew for you and you do all the control and monitoring (laughs) yeah and the recipes and all that okay i got you yeah so susquehanna has a facility that can brew i believe it's up to 300 barrels um at a time which would be 600 half kegs um so if you've ever seen a coors light or a miller light half keg their Mm -hmm. system can brew 600 of those at a single time um, our facility in Philadelphia does not have that capacity. <laughs> so, um, I know, you know, I know like AJ and I have seen, like, you know, you've seen through the windows. It's not that big. That's insane. Yeah. That's a ridiculous number. Yeah. yeah. It's more like in Philly, it's almost like an experimental uh, brewery. Um, I mean, breweries like Susquehanna, um, Victory, those types of places, those, those are multi-million dollar 
facilities that are super expensive. So a lot of people choose to do that, um, you know, to really make things efficient. And then when you want to move over to that stage of getting a, a brick and mortar spot yourself um, and cut those costs, you're in a, in a really good position to do that um, kind of like financially. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, when you don't have a lot of money right after an economy that just tanked in mm. 08 and 09, you try to create a business that has very little overhead so mm. that you can make as much capital as quickly as possible to be able to do things like open a brick and mortar um, you know, of your own at some point, but you won't have all of that collateral or that debt tied up in the actual brick and mortar. So, um, you know, Luke and Trev have said a couple of times that it allowed them to make Evil Genius what it was to, to go that route with contracting. And it's, it's continued to work. So we've never had a reason to stop. <laughs> yeah. Fair point. Dan, you're throwing around all those business terms and really speaking my language. <laughs> like, I, I've got the mind like that. Like that was what I studied. Uh, so I, I appreciate this like in-depth discussion we're getting here. I was going to say, Ryan said you had one of the first thoughtful questions we've heard. And I was like, well, that's what happens when you get him in front of a, a topic he really, really cares about. And this is beer and business. Like, drinking. that's my life. Drinking sure. business. Don't, don't let Dan fool you. He just looked up the word fiscal before we started. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, they want me to talk about business, right? I, I'm going to know exactly what I'm talking about coming in. I've heard, I've heard the term fiscal before, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> fiscal. Fiscal. That's, a, that's what they call the sport, right? Getting real fiscal. People tuned in to figure out notes of beer, and they just learned how to articulate a business model. <laughs> Whoa, Okay. <go> ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let me let me pivot and ask a beer question now um why do you guys uh, or do you guys have an opinion on why ipas boomed in popularity so much and stouts and porters are you know forgotten about i would say um so the easiest answer is we all enjoy childlike sweetness um so IPAs became big recently because they're not as bitter. The New England style uh, that has really kind of burst onto the scene in the last four or five years, it tastes like orange juice or grapefruit juice or pineapple juice, which are all sweet things. We all have a sweet tooth. We don't ever want to admit it. This is a way for people to go, oh, it's an IPA, which is supposed to be bitter, but it's delicious. Um, so that's kind of why they've taken over. Um, Stouts are making a bit of a comeback uh, in the sense of uh, what's called like a pastry stout, um, which mm -hmm. is anything like that has, uh, you know, something like chocolate or coffee um, or cinnamon um, or something like that in it. Um, playing around with those flavors in a darker style beer tends to become a lot of fun. Um, so they're starting to make a bit of a comeback, but not your generic like Guinness style dry Irish stout. Those are still pretty uh, few and far between. Pretty much reserved for St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and car bombs. Yeah. Well, I, I actually do specifically seek out those uh, coffee style, those, I guess, pastry stouts, as you call them. I'd, I really look for anything with like coffee or like a heavy desserty feel. Like I've had some with like uh, toffee in them, like an English toffee. And yeah. uh, that was like one of my favorite beers ever. 
I I think you guys did it, like Evil Genius. There wasn't wasn't there's a, a hazelnut. Yeah, hazelnut toffee. Yeah, we have I'll have what she's having, which is a hazelnut uh, chocolate hazelnut imperial stout. So you get those notes of of toffee in there for sure. That's um, it. I mean, yeah, I think uh, those dessert style beers are are definitely coming back. I mean, you get like the Russian imperial stouts and things like that. Uh, that people, it has like a like a dark chocolate bitterness to it that I think people aren't typically expecting, and they're really intense and you almost feel the burn a lot of times um and then just those kind of stouts and like those kind of porters um kind of took a tail dive but uh the pastry stouts are making it back um i think to kind of in that initial stage of when ipa started becoming popular because if you look like uh, six years ago there were no like juicy ipas um and no new england's and that sort of thing uh, I think it was a lot of these West Coast brands coming over and really starting to become popular on the East Coast, like Sierra Nevada, um, Avery from Colorado. A lot of those guys use like the West Coast style, which are a little more floral and earth tone um, in their hops um, and a lot, a lot of times more bitter. And I think that's kind of what broke the way and people were like, oh shit, this is cool. I want to try this. Um, and then now it's become such a revolution because of what Dan said. It's approachable by everyone, by people that don't even really like beer if you get a beer that looks like orange juice and tastes like orange juice, you're gonna drink it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of changed the game. Um, you know, I don't know how long hazy beers are gonna be around for, uh, or or like New England style, because um, I know people do like the clean and crispness of like a, a IPA, even if you use like citra hops, like Stacy's mom does. But you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's definitely an interesting change. The beer world is always changing. People are always trying to do new and crazy stuff um, with particular styles, even if they bomb and they're awful, like a brute IPA. But I mean, <laughs> you, you get everything. I was going to say, this speaks directly to me because I am not what they would call a beer person, I guess. Uh, we used to do specifically like the big brewery uh, beers, like Miller Coors, shit like that. And one and a half beers in, I'm ready to vomit. But but this stuff is like, okay, that's fun. It doesn't taste like puke already coming out of the can. It's much easier to drink. So it's, and it's fun to like try out and try, kind of expand what your tastes are. Yeah. yeah Fitz and I can definitely speak to that for because when we were when we were in our band all those years ago, all we drank was PBR nonstop. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but I still get a thirty rack of PBR from GoPuff when I just need like beers like to get through my day. <laughs> so it's not a thirty um, rack a day. I promise it's not a thirty <laughs> rack a day. But like even even if it is, man, no judgment. We work in the industry. Um, <laughs> like like I said before we started recording, I have a gallon of beer to drink here. So, <laughs> no two things off of um, you know what you guys were just saying. The first is you know you said you like expanding your flavors and and trying beers and that stuff. Beer in a sense is like wine, right? It's made with the same ingredients, but all the flavors can be different. The same way that two Merlots or two Cabernets are made with the same grape, but have different like tones and flavors to them. Um, so beer definitely does allow you to do that. Uh, and the second thing is a very, very smart man once told me every beer in the world has its place, right? So an ice cold Miller light on a 
hundred degree day when you're helping a friend move in June is the best beer you're going to have at that moment. Oh, I think I just came when you were describing that. I've, I've actually helped a friend move recently, like very recently. And I got to tell you, the beer was the best part of that. Yeah. That's beyond method acting. Welcome welcome to, to typical Fitz reactions, by the way. That's his favorite Everything. phrase. Everything's hey, just he, jerking him he, off. He may have said that on every single episode of the podcast he's ever been on. So. I agree with that. Well, here, we'll drop another word. That's a motif, then. There you go. The <laughs> audience is just there learning a shitload of words today. Oh, shit. Now we're getting artsy, too. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm an English major. I already knew that one. I just didn't want to kill you. I didn't want to overload your brain. <laughs> so before we completely pivot into the, the beer tasting, even though everyone's already drinking. Halfway done. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I'm officially starting the petition. Um, and I think we talked about this, I don't know, right before quarantine dropped when we were last in studio together. I'm officially petitioning you guys to go back to the bosses and uh, bring back the Han shot first, double IPA. It's like, I, I'm, I'm not an IPA guy, but that was like, that was the beginning of like a new world for me. I want it back. <laughs> I mean, they definitely hear, uh, they hear your back call, so to speak. Uh, so we got, we got rid of turtle power. Mm. and um they just brought it back before covid happened um they brought it back for for crowler release at the brewery or at the lab <clears throat> um so we didn't do it on a mass market scale uh but so many people were we'll take like instagram polls of what beer you'd like to see back and <clears throat> believe it or not that one got the most amount of hits um out of everything so uh yeah, you you throw a shot for us out there. We can definitely let them know. It might be a brewery only thing, but I mean, I mean, listen, I'll be the first one lining up at the door. <laughs> He's I mean, it's, it's it's got the perfect time to come out. You know, Mandalorian's going to keep coming back, so they can do it the way they did it at the beginning. Release it with every new Star Wars release. It's funny. I actually have a bottle, uh, like a, a from the last batch I had of it. There's a uh, and it's an empty bottle, but it's sitting over here off to the side. Nice. I, I found it the other day, and I was like, damn. I want this beer back. <laughs> he found it the other day, and then he said, hey, we should do a podcast where I talk to the guys from Evil Genius. <laughs> hey, however we got here, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were slightly like, I'm separate. I'm going to call them out publicly. This is Twitter. This will get my beer back. It's funny. I, I, just, I remember when it was first released. It's back when I was still working at Devil's Alley. And it was only kegged and it was only in bars and there was only in a certain number of bars. And then it popped up again and then it started making bottle appearances. And somebody said, yeah, every time a new Star Wars comes out, the bottles will come back. And then it was like by two more Star Wars movies, they were gone. And I was like, where is this goddamn beer? Yeah. But it, the Star Wars movies started getting really sporadically released too. Yeah, that, that um, makes sense. Which, which had, I don't want to say everything to do with it, but it definitely had uh, somewhat of something to do with it because when you come up with seasonals, um, you need to kind of plan your brew schedule out mm -hmm. a year in advance and then, you know, sell it to your wholesalers and to everyone. So to have, have something be like, Oh, this is just going to be on the fly maybe six times. And we want a full distro of it can be yeah. a little hard, but I think we could, you know, talk to the bosses and see if they can get it back at the brewery. I don't see why not. John's always down to brew stuff. He hasn't brewed in a while. <laughs> It'd be it'd be fun to sit back and watch uh, when Disney Plus releases that new Obi Wan series. Just sit back and crack one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move to what we actually came here for. Um, everyone is at least fairly into uh, 
No. Oh, you Brian, you didn't crack it yet? What no, are I wanted, you doing? I wanted to use the sound effect. He, he's, yeah, he's here for the new can I'm sound. I'm here for the new can sound. And I don't know if I said it, but I was thinking it, so I'm going to assume you heard me telepathically, and I'm just so excited. New can. Your sound effect ruined it. I didn't even hear the crack. I'm glad you got that oh, one, man. I thought the I thought the crack sounded more so with the sound effect, but yeah, we didn't hear oh the well. pop. It was weird. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Brian, the it. important question is: you have something clear to pour that into, correct? Oh yes, I do. All right, good. Got my nice little. Oh, it's a nice flyers. Uh, glass. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've been nice admiring glass. your setup there, that uh, nice oh, little thanks, in the background. <laughs> yeah, oh, we I, talked about that before you got on, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I got, so, I got a, I know, a whole, sorry, a whole complicated stuff there, actually. <laughs> Uh, the one beer that we have at um, at the lab right now, um, Dan and I came up with the name for it together. It's called Let's Do That Hockey. I don't know if you've seen the uh, Chance the Rapper clip from SNL. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys can see this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to any viewers or listeners, um, if, you, if you haven't um, ever seen those clips, go and check them out. They're all on YouTube. And <clears throat> the NHL before all this shit went down hired uh, Chance the Rapper to do Wednesday Night Rivalry and he just <laughs> interviews a couple of the um, players before the game and it's pretty comical so uh, we, we went that route um, we're the two hockey guys at Evil Genius and <laughs> they needed a hockey beer and you can't really name anything in terms of gritty or uh, to do with the Flyers without getting in some trouble so that's yeah. kind of our yeah, there, there have been a couple guys that have been able to like tiptoe around it and, and make references and use somewhat of a likeness, but yeah. And usually those guys get a C and D. AJ, maybe that's why we never found those beers we were looking for. They got shut down immediately. <laughs> they got I, I, got a, I got a name idea for you guys for another hockey beer. Jabroni. That's a cool word. <laughs> that's a cool that's a word. word. <laughs> I got word jabroni. What is that? That's a great word. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though when, when we were uh, getting ready for all this and i got the the growlers i posted on our instagram and that's one of the ones that got a feature shot there nice thank you so that's awesome man glad thank to know that, glad to know that you guys are the ones that came up with that i'm gonna drink that later because i didn't buy growlers for everyone because we'd already spent 200 dollars on beer Good. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, who's, who's got the, the beer knowledge? Uh, Dan, you said you've tasted them. So do you want to tell us a little bit about this, this guy? Yeah, so you guys oh. are drinking. Oh, my bad. I was, well, you were about to say what it is. I was going to say we haven't said any, uh, what we're drinking. We've just shown it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, so you guys are drinking. Uh, the worst thing about quarantine was the Dementors. Um, <laughs> and on the crowler is a pixelated face of Prison Michael Scott or Prison Mike. Um <laughs> And this beer is a black IPA uh, with edible glitter. So, yeah, Fitz is kind of showing us the glitter he's, for those of you he's watching. Trying. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a very good cup. He's doing his best Vanna White over there, you know. You can almost hear the glitter, Fitz. <laughs> Just like we heard the can pop, so... Um, oh, come on. Too sorry. soon. I'll try it with the second one. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know you that well. I took a shot. Don't, don't apologize to him. <laughs> all right. I'll see took, you guys later. I took a shot. I heard you guys take my bust, beer and leave. 
Well, I heard you guys busting balls on a couple of previous episodes. Which one of you? Which one of you guys hasn't seen Miracle? Oh, <laughs> mighty! Like, I mean, first off, are you fucking American? That's number one. Forget about being a hockey fan. Are you fucking American? Dude, I heard him. Born in America, fan. yes. Oh. You heard him. He's a business boy. Oh. He's interested in business. And Disney and made that it. movie. Do you want to learn about business, man? I mean, you just <laughs> talked about watching The Mandalorian. It's on there for free. <laughs> It is. It's on listen, so if you if you listen to the episode, you know that the reason I haven't watched it already, uh, like after the episode, is because of Brian. Brian's fault. <laughs> oh, Brian. Yeah. So I I got that jersey right there, and I, it's behind me. It's a Eurozioni jersey, and Fitz goes, "Who's that?" I was like, I, "Are you serious?" Yeah, I heard. <laughs> uh, I was so disappointed. Listen, I've, I've seen the important scenes. I've seen him make him skate suicides after the game. I've seen the speech. Like, uh, I mean, like America wins. That's oh. the guy who announces his name after the skates. Come That's on. like saying, "Oh, cool! I know John three sixteen. I read the whole Bible." <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you this, Mike? Uh, do you know who the Hanson brothers are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, they, sung, they sang Umbop, right? Oh, God. Oh, God. Perfect. We're, you, oh, you were digging perfect. ourselves into a hole. Yeah. Right. Well, Sorry. Dunk, Sorry. dunk on this side brothers. of the screen. Uh, uh, Suzanne so yeah. sucks pussy. Like, I've seen Slapshot. Listen to the fucking song. They brought their fucking toys. <laughs> and Goon's one of my favorites. So I've seen all the other hockey classics. The Mighty Ducks, Goon, Goon 2, Slapshot. Mystery Alaska? Slapshot 2, and that's oh, a piece of shit. Mystery <laughs> Fantastic. Russell Crowe should have gotten an Oscar. Very good one. It, it's so bad, it's good. Those yeah, mystery jerseys are hot as hell. Oh. <laughs> Dan, I think you're the only person that's brought that movie up in the last five years, except yes. for AJ. Except for AJ. AJ brought it up recently. <laughs> yes. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, AJ. Um, so, yeah. So, um, sorry. We got way off topic because of fucking Miracle. But you guys are drinking a black IPA. Um, so, the reason it's called a black IPA is it's brewed in a traditional IPA style. Uh, meaning you use the four main ingredients, which are malt, hops, yeast, and water. Um, the difference between a black IPA and a traditional or a New England style IPA is obviously the color. What you're drinking looks um, almost, almost charcoal, uh, right, in a sense. Um, you know, almost like a grayish black. Um, that's from the malts that we use. So when you brew a traditional IPA, you tend to use lighter malts, um, which give it that lighter color. With this, we use a little bit darker. Um, so you tend to get some rich roasty notes, uh, maybe some bitter chocolate. You might even get a little bit of that ashiness, um, like cigar ash or something like that, which is not a negative term. Um, it is a descriptor. Um, and then you'll also get a little bit of like floral and like earthy note. Um, so that's going to come from the hopping. Um, I'm not 100% sure on which hops we used in that beer. Uh, so I can't tell you much about them. Um, but what it does is it gives you a slightly bitter and slightly rich characteristic um, that uh, is is a lot different um, than when you try a West Coast style IPA, which tends to be a little bit more prickly, a little bit more bubbly, uh, or a New England, which tends to be, um, for all intents and purposes, fluffy. 
Yeah. I've never heard that word used to describe beer. And and we use some stupid terms. AJ with his ciders, when he drinks cider, he calls them uh, dry or wet <laughs> instead of dry or sweet. <laughs> what, so, could be, what could possibly the opposite be? <laughs> but, but fluffy's a good one. I like that. Yeah, so it's really light um, on the texture for New England. Um, this one, you have a little bit of what they call chew to it. Uh, it just means that it's got a little, a little bit of a denser body, um, and it sits a bit heavier in the mouth. I think that's, I think that's all I got on that beer. Oh, and glitter, and glitter, and glitter, and glitter. So, so uh, I, I had some questions. People were asking me recently about the glitter in the beers. Is sure. it lust, is it luster dust? Is that what they use? Whatever edible glitter <laughs> is. So it's like luster dust is like a shiny thing that they use in like baking and shit like that to make cakes look silvery and shimmery. So that's what I assumed it was. It's yeah, a, it, if it, yeah. Oh, my bad, Pat. No, Dan. I do, yeah, I think it might be like that. I mean, I've, you know, in quarantine, dove into the deep voids of Netflix and watched the British baking <laughs> oh. show. And, um, Great yeah. show. It's a fucking awesome show. Uh, I can't bake worth a damn, but it makes me think I can. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's around that, uh, at least in that wheelhouse. Yeah, uh, hockey term. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I kind of have a question about beers in general. Um, so I would say probably like 99% of beers are carbonated. And then there's that 1% of beers that are nitros. Are there nitro IPAs? Because in my head, this black IPA would be really nice as a nitro. There's quite a few um, breweries kind of delving into that now, into the, the realm of, of um, nitro IPAs and that sort of thing. Um, I've only seen a select few in cans. Um, the one I can think of would be, actually, I think it's technically a pale ale that's just a little hoppy, would be Sawtooth from Left Hand Brewing Company. They did a nitro version of that. They're, they're kind of like real big on doing the nitros in cans. <clears throat> you typically find it in, in bars. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of places have started doing nitro IPAs. It just gives you a smoother feel. Mm -hmm. um, and for some people, that carbonation popping on your tongue really gives you like um, an enhancement of the bitterness or, uh, you know, whatever the flavoring may be. And the smoothness actually takes it down a notch and almost makes it more like a New England mm -hmm. and gives you like a, a more subtle, not even subtle, but just like um, not as an intense kind of uh, taste. Uh, a lot of people seem to like it. You, the thing with nitro beers is you either love it or you just despise it. It's like, mm -hmm. it's usually one way or the other. I've, I've never met someone who's, meh, it's okay. They're like, oh, no, thanks. Do you want my beer? Or give me 10 more of these. So it's, it's a really weird demographic. Have you guys at Evil Genius experimented with nitros? I can't remember ever seeing any. We're, we're experimenting with some stuff right now. Um, we do some darker beers. Uh, one of the ones we do year-round is called Purple Monkey Dishwasher. Uh, which I, is a I've had one of those delicious. Yeah, thank you. Um, so that's our chocolate peanut butter porter. Um, we've done some experimentation with that on nitro. Um, but one of the other things with, with nitrogen that um, kind of makes it difficult is a, there's no real natural way to get it. Um, uh -huh. 
you know, you can naturally carve a beer just by throwing some yeast in, letting it eat the sugars and, and like letting that CO2 kind of create. And then you can kind of add a little bit more if you need to at the end of the process. With nitrogen, you've got to add the entire amount and the gas mixture is a lot different. So unless you have that down to a science, it's really, really tough um, to kind of get that level right um, and then keep it consistent. So uh, it's funny you brought up <clears throat> Purple Monkey. That was the first Evil Genius beer I ever had. And I remember having it when I first turned 21 and just was not a fan and then had it a few years later. And I was like, wow, this beer is really good. Why, what the hell was wrong with me? And it's like, that's kind of how I realized that hmm, maybe my beer, my, like my beer palate can expand a little bit. And that was kind of what did it was realizing I didn't like something when I just turned 21 and it was like, Oh, I can buy something, you know, I've never had before. Cause you know, we're all 16 drinking Natty lights and PBRs and shit like that. But you know, this was, this was the first foray into something new and, it changed over the years, but yeah, that's, that's the beer that actually was like, wow, this company's amazing. So. Thanks man. Yeah. I mean, think about it like uh, your palate with food, right? Like your palate tends to shift as you get older. Um, things you didn't like as a kid, you like as an adult and vice versa. Uh, beers are the same way. I mean, I used to, I used to not be a huge fan of like Pilsners and lagers and stuff. Cause I wasn't a big fan of like that bready um, characteristic. And now, like, I'm drinking a 4.2% Kolsch that we canned over the weekend. And, like, this might be the, this might be the best beer we've ever made. Um, so, like, I appreciate that style a lot more because when you brew lagers um, or, or pilsners or anything in that lager family, it's really, really hard to hide any flaws within the beer. So yeah. if something goes wrong with fermentation, if something goes wrong in carbing, um, you know, if you hop incorrectly, that off flavor presents itself pretty quickly and pretty prominently. Yeah, there's nothing Where, to bury it. Yeah, like with an IPA, you can bury it in hops and all people are going to go, oh, that's hoppy. And it's like, <laughs> it's supposed to be. It's an IPA. Thanks, man. Um, you know, but, but, you know, as I've been in the industry a little bit longer and as I've tried a lot more beers, lagers, pilsners, and, and even kolsches, which are, you know, kind of a hybrid lager and ale, um, they, they tend to be cleaner. They don't linger on your palate nearly as much. And you can put down like 15 of them. So <laughs> like who doesn't like a good all day session drinker? You know what yeah. I mean? That was one thing I was going to ask is has like being in the industry changed what kind of beers you tend to go for? <clears throat> 100%. Absolutely. 110%. I mean, I still like, I might go to the beer distributor and, you know, a couple of breweries maybe I haven't heard of or ones that I like that came out with the new IPA. Yeah, I'll grab them for the weekend to try them. Uh, but now, and I can thank our, our brewer, John, for this. Um, <clears throat> the beers that I like to drink are, as a lot of people might call them, crispy boys. Boys <laughs> <laughs> with an I, right? Boys with an I? Boys with, boys with an Go I on. and a Z. All right. Um, Oh, and a Z. Going and Avril Lavigne style there, Pat. I mean, yeah, I was a skater boy. You could see, say, see you later, boy. I don't, I don't know. Um, but, that's right. That's my guilty pleasure song. I'll admit to it. Uh, it's an awesome song. It's great karaoke, too. Um, but, yeah, uh, basically being in the industry, you realize 
uh, like Dan was saying, there are ways to mask imperfections with other beers. Um, same with pastry stouts. You know, if you have a stout that has an off flavor, uh, if you can add lactose to it and, you know, a bunch of uh, fruit additives or whatever it may be, it still turns out to be an awesome beer. And you never know that there was an imperfection that came along the way. Um, <clears throat> whereas with something like a Keller beer or a Kolsch or a Pilsner or a lager, um, those imperfections shine through very quickly. And, you know, our head brewer will even tell you, he is incredibly impressed by these macro breweries like, like Budweiser and Coors and all that, who can make these Pilsners that are consistent every time without fail and will always taste the same. Because that's one of the hardest things is to get consistency down, especially uh -huh. with like, like um, lagers and Pilsners and that sort of thing. Um, so it's, it, it is really, really cool to see a different side of, of beer and breweries and just that whole, that whole thing. I mean, I've, you know, we've gone out for Great American Beer Festival to Denver and we've toured privately a bunch of different breweries who, you know, we were out there and people are like, oh, come check it out. And they make some awesome stuff, but like it's all IPAs or it's all sours. And like there are ways to mask stuff. But then you go and you check some of these places out that only do like traditional German style or whatever it may be. And you're like, holy shit. Like when you have a really good Pilsner, um, you know, like, like one of our light lagers, it's called that painting was a gift hot. Or um, for instance, uh, it's <laughs> the style of a Hellas is let's do that hockey. When you get a good, a good, good beer like that, it really shines through and it's just easy and crisp and it's just, it's clean is the best way to say it. Um, so yeah, long, I mean, you know, to make it short, the industry has changed me a hundred percent. I used to bust one of my best friend's balls about being a Pilsner fan. And then the day I converted, he left in my face. So <laughs> that'll tell you all you need to know about the beer industry is, uh, you know, it, it, the more you try things, you realize there is some really, really good beer out there. There is also some really, really bad beer <laughs> like and i'm you know obviously nobody ever names names but there are some breweries that i've been to both in jersey and outside of the state that are doing some stuff and you try it and you're like how do you consistently have a crowd like i'm mm. you know i don't get it but um you know having the ability to try all of those things allows you to figure out you know who are the people that are making the beer correctly who are the people that are making good beer and then who are just good people, right? Like, who are the people you want to hang out with and drink a beer with? And yeah. those are the people that, you know, for me personally, I tend to gravitate to. Um, and, and they also help influence, you know, the stuff that you try and expanding your palate um, and things like that. Because there's some breweries that do, you know, only farmhouse style where they use, um, you know, some drier yeasts and things like that. And then there's other places that do nothing but barrel aged things. So now you're getting all of those characteristics, um, you know, so having somebody to kind of sit you down and teach you all of that as you're drinking, uh, I think also helps expanding palates and, and learning new flavors and things like that, for sure. One of the, um, one of my best memories associated with beer, I guess, is um, 
just sitting in my friend's backyard after we moved him into a new place and him talking about why this uh this pineapple sage cider why it works so well and why it is this and that and was like yeah and now i continue to buy it every time i go uh to re re up on anything so i get what you're saying and you just you just have it a little bit more in depth being in the industry yeah it, it really does um you know, change you. And I think one of the big things with industry people, <clears throat> um, especially in the state of PA is we support our own. Um, people are like, Oh, you're competing against so-and-so I'm, I'm not competing against anybody. Uh, we're in competition together. I think is the best way I ever heard it put. Um, you know, I consider, 99.99% of the other reps, the other breweries, whoever I see out there, I consider them my friends um, when I see them and I'll drink their beer and I'll support their brand as best as I can. Um, it, it's just interesting, you know, like Dan had said, a lot of times you go out and you, I might get something just because I'm, I'm supporting another local brand and I know their beer is good. Um, so it's a real, it's, the industry is a really cool thing. Um, it can be hard at times, but it's really cool to like, look at all these different beers and, and just be like, yo, you know, I know that guy or I know that girl and I know they make great shit and I know they support their community or whatever. And then you go out and you have that beer and you turn on new people to it. And it's just, it's a wild experience. It really does change your outlook on, what seems just like a bunch of people getting drunk or, you know, telling you that a beer tastes like barnwood floor after a fucking morning do, <laughs> but it's not, it's, it's, a, it's, it's much more like community, but yeah. You know? Barnwood floor <laughs> after a morning do. Hey man, it's poetic. I, I feel like you need to write perfume descriptions. Like, are, are you ready for a career pivot? Well, I mean, AJ, I'll let you know. Before I got into this industry, I was actually a ninth grade English teacher for two years. Oh, sweet. So, there you go. I made I a bit of a career pivot myself. But, <laughs> I was a history teacher for two years. Yeah. So, Pat and I also have that in common. We're hockey, we're hockey guys. We love beer, and we both taught before getting into the industry. That's, that's a, a good we got you guys on here as our like first episode so we don't have someone stumbling through trying to teach us this <laughs> <laughs> or even worse making soccer references <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. dude i couldn't tell you shit about soccer i i watched the women's uh world cup when it was on pre-covid and i didn't know what the fuck was going on but i had a nope. blast yeah <laughs> sports are always very fun when you know very little about what's going on well i'll tell you right now i saw it on last week tonight with john oliver there in june there is a marble league it's a marble racing league yes and yeah, yeah. fuck yeah and guess what <laughs> it's coming to FanDuel. so if uh, any of your listeners are degenerate gamblers that's right it's like all of listeners. us it's ryan <laughs> I mean, let's be it's real. I've 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 bet on darts on DraftKings, like because <laughs> it's the only thing on there. Like you put a dollar down on a dude that's like plus one twenty five, and you're like, I mean, he might have a shot. And then you know, it's a fifty fifty chance at that point. If he's wearing New Balances, bro, he's fucking got it. <laughs> it's, it's, Girl, Russian, it's Russian darts. I'm not staying up for that. 
<laughs> Russian darts. Russian, Russian darts. That's what I'm gambling on right now. Yeah. Hashtag ping pong. Quarantine. Yeah, that and ping pong. Took my hockey away. Now I got to find other avenues. Dude, I was starting to win pretty well with the Flyers, too, because they were on a pretty nice hot streak. They were good. I just kept, I just kept hitting them. And, like, as soon as, as soon as the season got shut down, I was like, well, shit, like, I'm on 25 bucks. Like, I could have – I could have done pretty well rolling into the playoffs. I was going to say, you could have kept it rolling. Yeah, so I uh, not only do I miss the Flyers, I miss I miss uh, making my extra shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I put I put ten bucks on the Flyers to win the cup before COVID started and before the win streak. So I still got really good odds <laughs> on my ten bucks. <laughs> but like. Is the Stanley Cup even going to happen this year? Will the just, no one gets their money back? Like, there's going to be like an asterisk. Like, I'll tell you what. All these 20... questions about my degeneracy. Well, that 2014 playoff sounds fun. Like with play-in games, because the one that they proposed had the Flyers facing the winner of the Canadians and the Penguins. Oh yeah, the Flyers had a bye. Yeah, so, like, they would have been in that, like, play-in round, which is, you know, either the one or three game, whatever. But I'm looking at it, and I'm going, Carey Price could steal that series, and we could play Montreal. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, then more tired than us, Montreal, which, yeah. uh, you know, I really like our chances against because they're not a good team anymore. And then they have to face – after that three-game series, they have to face us in a seven-game series? Yeah. And ah, Bye-bye, yeah. bye, Montreal. Hello, second round. Uh, we would bid them a, a Jew, I believe, is we would bid them a Jew. <laughs> a Jew. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if they end up doing that, I think that would be I – think, I think it would do a couple of things. One, it would – and I think I heard you guys talking about this on one of the um, – the Pigeon Coop podcast is uh, generate revenue, right? With teams like Chicago, uh, Detroit, Montreal. Um, so that's number one. Um, but number two is like, if you want to try to draw more fans to the sport, what better way to do it than to have 24 fucking teams in a playoff, which is the best fucking hockey of the year anyway. Mm -hmm. So like I have friends of mine that are like casual hockey fans and they're like, dude, I can't watch game 63 in the middle of March. I can watch <laughs> game one of the entire playoff because it's, it's a totally different feel. Um, so I, I, I yeah. selfishly, I hope that they come to some sort of <laughs> and do that. So we'll see. I think deep down, we all have that little bit of like, mm, I really want it. So It'll also give us something to talk about on the regular question, time, though. Yeah. And aside from the beer, hockey fan question do you think that the 24 team uh round robin style or whatever like play in to get in playoffs do you think it cheapens the cup this year or do you think it's the same intensity i think it's gonna start out the same intensity <clears throat> um i think hockey is a different sport where i mean you have a guy who breaks his fucking leg and finishes his shift but I think maybe from the aspect of an avid fan, I don't think from a player aspect, it's going to cheapen shit because they're going to see that as their ticket in. Um, 
where, I mean, you see people who get wild card spots in just about any sport who can then turn around and make it to the final game. So I think any team is going to see that as more of an opportunity and they're still going to fight. But I think from maybe an avid fan or even just a casual fan, they might see it as like, uh, oh, this is kind of bullshit. Like, why isn't it more? But I mean, what does it matter? If, if, it, if it makes, you know, the 24th place team or whatever um, do a little bit more and work a little bit harder and work their way up the scale, whereas before they didn't have a chance, so they fucking blew the rest of the season so they get a better draft pick or so they don't hurt their guys or whatever. I think it's going to give – those teams have much better fighting chance. And I think it's going to make the game overall more interesting. But I think the first like two to three years, people are going to be like, this is bullshit. You got the fucking Sabres in here and <laughs> shit like that. You know, there are already groups of fans ready to pounce on whoever wins and be like, well, this is an illegitimate cup. This isn't it. If it's not my team, it doesn't count. So if, if the Senators won, I would say sure. But... <laughs> or, or the Red Wings, and somehow they pulled off. No, they were they were already mathematically eliminated. There's no chance for the Red Wings. Never has. So here's my thing: Were there asterisks for the lockout shortened season? Um, and what was that? Uh, according to some people, yes. According to most people, no. Yeah, so you like the aspects of like the game now are even different than they were then. Then it was a battle between the two sides that like over money and other things that were we as fans are kind of like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you're squabbling <laughs> three million dollars. Like I'm, you know, we I, people are out of fucking jobs and shit. You know what I mean? So like back then it was that. This is. Like, there's a fucking global pandemic that has everybody brought to their fucking knees. And it's like, this one is completely out of the control of both the players and the league. So I don't really see how you can have an asterisk for something that nobody, A, planned for, or B, was ready for. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I just, I don't see that. I think now's a good time to take a break because I've had almost a half a gallon of beer and I need to use the restroom. <laughs> That's great. I got some chicken on the uh, smoker that I got to cut up. My, my last my last note to you guys is, you know, I, I really want to thank you guys for coming along. You're our first real guests on this. This is, this is my pet project, my passion project. Being a big uh, beer, food and beverage kind of guy and a hockey guy, this was my, my baby in a sense. I really want to thank you guys for coming along and being a part of you know where we're, where we're kind of jumping off from you're, you're on the ground floor so I, I appreciate you guys for coming along I, I, this was the best time i could have imagined <laughs> uh, so what nice. so what you're telling us is if this sinks or swims it's on evil genius <laughs> so we're on the hook <laughs> not, not also if it swims you'll if, be back if it, if it sinks good. it's on us if it swims it's you guys so well we'll gladly be back man if you want to back, you got our emails yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll gladly come back. I know Dan will too. And this was awesome, boys. <laughs> this oh, was man. awesome. Hopefully, the the fucking season resumes and we have a cup uh, to run and fucking shove in everyone's face. You're not but, wrong. Uh, you know who knows if that's gonna fucking happen. 
So. The only other thing I have is stay safe, uh, stay inside as long as as long as we have to. Listen to the goddamn the government for fuck's sake. Uh, wash your hands. Do all that fun stuff. Follow us on Twitter. We should have a Twitter by the time this episode goes live. We'll um, see. <laughs> well, maybe. If not, uh, follow the Pigeon Coop because the Pigeon Coop has all the all the proper updates, all that fun stuff. Um. And if you've got any beers you want us to try, any of that kind of stuff, if you if you have questions for Dan or Pat, we'll pass them along. We don't give a shit. Uh, send them yeah. into our email. Send them into the Pigeon Coop email since we don't have one yet. Um, other than that, you know, just have a great night and uh, go drink some good beer. Yeah, man. Cheers, guys. Hit us up. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers.